0: His name is Jack Fisher. Jack and I were best friends since second grade. Now, he's been replaced as my best friend by my wife, Barb, so he's now in slot number two. But we have been friends throughout the years. I share that because sometimes as I share stories, you wonder, how does she put up with him? But, uh, I want you to know, we are best friends together. So a couple weeks ago, Jack invited me to join him at an Akron Rubber Ducks game. He had been at a golf outing. He had won a, 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 a room for the night, and he was able to bring with him, I think it was 19 other friends, and all the food you could eat, it was a great night being there. But I really didn't know anybody in the room. Jack had, other than his family, he had invited friends that he golfs with, friends from his small group that he's in, and uh, friends from the church that he goes to. So Jack took a moment to introduce everyone that was there. And when he came to me, he said this, this is my good friend, Butch Pursley. We have been friends since second grade. He's the pastor of Maranatha Bible Church. And I want you to know, he's the one who brought me to Jesus. And I thought back to when I was in high school. And as I was thinking through things about how I was burdened for Jack that he would know Jesus as his Savior. And one night when we were together, we talked about what it meant to be a Christian, and Jack trusted in the Lord. I don't say that to build myself up, because ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that brought Jack to the Lord. But I thought, what better way could we be introduced than for someone to say, this is the person that brought me to Jesus. As we come to the passage this morning that's before us, we see Jesus at the center and everyone pointing to him. So if we look at the passage, first of all, I want us to see the declaration that is made. The declaration that is made. Jesus is walking along. John the Baptist is there, he sees Jesus, and he says, behold the Lamb of God. Now, the day before, if you look up in verse 29, it says the next day, which would have been the previous day to the events we're talking about in verse 35, that he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist, the forefront, forerunner of Christ, is pointing to Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God. He's the one who has come at this moment. He is the Lamb sent from God who is going to take away the sin of the world. Then the following day he sees Jesus again and he has two of his disciples with him We'll learn later in the passage that one of them is Andrew. The other goes unnamed. Uh, It's probably John because John never mentions himself by name in his gospel. His two disciples are with him, and Jesus says, Behold the Lamb of God. And his disciples go to follow. See, John is not about gathering disciples to himself. He has many other disciples. But John himself will later make the statement that Jesus must increase and I must decrease. And, friends, that's really a mark for any ministry and for any preacher. Where is he pointing you? Who is he telling you to follow? He should be pointing you to Jesus. And Jesus should be the one that we are following. Now, for these two disciples of him and for those in the Jewish culture, they would understand when Jesus said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That there was a promise that ran all through the Old Testament pointing to a Savior that was going to come. And John the Baptist is saying, There he is. So the two disciples go after Jesus. The next thing I want you to see in the passage are the questions that are asked. The questions, verse 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? Question number one. What is it that you guys are seeking? Let me pause for a moment and say, this is a very good question for everyone in their life to ask. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, the question that I would ask of you and the question that Jesus would ask of you very pointedly is, what are you seeking? What are you after? Are you going after fame? Are you going after wealth? What are you seeking? What makes your life meaningful? What is it that you want? What are you seeking after? The next question that we see in the passage is, where are you staying? Jesus asks the question, what are you looking after? And they respond to him, where are you staying? Notice in the verse, verse 38, they call him rabbi. They call him rabbi. What are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? So teacher, term of respect in rabbi. We recognize that you are special. So where are you? You staying. Where can we come, Rabbi, and learn from you? Where can we come and be taught? The next thing we see in the passage is the invitation. In verse 39, Jesus said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. This meeting is going to be so influential in their lives that they remember the exact time that they follow Jesus. It's the 10th hour. John is using Roman time, so this would be 10 o'clock in the morning. So they went and stayed with Jesus from 10 o'clock in the morning through that entire day. You know, Jesus... Is always inviting people to come and to follow him. Jesus is always inviting people to come and to see. I hope you recognize that as we gather together as a church here, not everyone in this room this morning is a Christian. Not everyone that goes to church is a Christian. I've heard my uh, good friend uh, Jim Creed share on many occasions, just because you're in the garage, it doesn't make you a car. <laughs> so just because you're in the church, it doesn't make you a Christian. You know, you can... Being a follower of Jesus about putting your faith and trust in Him. And when we gather on Sundays, it's primarily the believers who are gathered together here, but there are scattered throughout this congregation people that are here for a lot of different reasons. Some are here because they're examining the truth of the Scriptures, and that's okay. That's what we want, because we want to tell them about Jesus and point them to Jesus. And Jesus, as he does with these two disciples, he just kind of lays it out there for them. And he tells them who he is and what he's here to do, and they become followers of him. He teaches them. And so it's all right if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as Savior. We welcome you here, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to point you to Jesus as the only one who can save you. We're going to point you to Jesus, who is the only one that can give you hope. But Jesus, uh, I believe he loved it when people came who were not yet followers of his, and as he had opportunity to share with him. Remember, Jesus was criticized because he was a friend of sinners. Jesus was criticized. Because he was with the people that others would not associate with. But Jesus came for the purpose to seek and to save those who are lost. Jesus doesn't say, hey, either believe in me right now or get out of here. Jesus said, come examine me. Be with me. And Jesus will continue to share with him. Next thing I want you to see in the passage is the proclamation. The proclamation. Verse 40 and 41. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He goes after his day with Jesus And he goes to his brother. Because people who know Jesus and realize who Jesus is and what he does, they know that they need to share it with others. We have a businessman in our church. You'll probably figure out who he is here in a moment. But if you go into his shop... You will, you will see on the front, his employees are wearing these shirts, uh, Duma Meats. On the back of it, it says, friends don't let friends buy grocery store meat. <laughs> it's like a, a declaration for his store that if you love your friends you're going to bring them to Duma's (laughs) Meat. They'll get my bill later for the free advertising that we're giving them this morning. (laughs) But you know, the reality is, friends don't let friends... Go to hell without hearing about Jesus. Family doesn't let family go to hell without hearing about Jesus. Something more important. Think about who it was that shared Jesus with you. I'd encourage you this week, as you think about them, maybe even send them a note. And, and all you have to do is say, thank you for pointing me to Jesus. So, Andrew, we know he's one of the disciples that's there. And, and John said, the first thing that Andrew does is he goes and finds his brother Peter. And he says to him, in verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. We have found the one promised in the Old Testament, the one that the Old Testament scriptures have pointed to. We found the Messiah. And so the action that we see is he brought him to Jesus. Andrew gets his brother and says, Simon, you need to come with me, and you need to meet Jesus. Now, it's an interesting thing about Andrew. If you study him in the book of John, he's mentioned three times, uh, and as, as we, if, if we've been studying the Scriptures, we will know that there's much more said in the Bible about Peter than there is about Andrew. Andrew is not mentioned that many times in the Scriptures. But every time Andrew is seen in the Gospel of John, he's bringing someone to Jesus. He's bringing his brother here in this passage. In John chapter 6, he's bringing a lad with a small lunch to Jesus. And from that small lunch, the multitudes will be In chapter 12, he's seen directing, seeking Greeks, seeking Gentiles to Jesus. What a wonderful testimony for Andrew that when he is noticed, it is for, he's bringing people to Jesus. He's bringing people to Jesus. And that's what all of us should be doing as well. We should all, Be bringing people to Jesus. Now, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, but Butch, Butch, wait a second. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I can't do it the way that I see other people doing it in bringing people to Jesus. So I'll just sit on the sidelines and pray. Well, praying is better than not doing anything we should, I don't want to diminish the power of prayer, and God has given some of you a ministry of prayer. That's great. But do not think that you have to do it the way everybody else does it. There are ways that every single one of us can bring people to Jesus. doesn't matter what your personality is. Doesn't know what your. doesn't matter what your uh, spiritual gifting is. We can all bring people to Jesus. Now, in a book entitled Becoming a Contagious Christian that's written by Mark Middleberg, he gives six different ways that people throughout the Scriptures brought people to Jesus. Six different styles, he calls them, of evangelism. And one of them fits with every one of us that are here. This morning, he, he notices first of all what he calls Peter's confrontational style. It's the day of Pentecost. All these Jewish people are gathered wondering what in the world has been going on. And Jesus stands up and proclaims to them and confronts them all You killed the Messiah. His blood is on your hands. You must repent and believe in him. And 3,000 were saved. Now, please notice, I want to point something out here. It was Andrew who brought Peter to the Lord. It's not Andrew standing up on the day of Pentecost preaching to these multitudes of people. It's not Andrew who's confronting them all. It is Peter. And to some of you, God has given you a confrontational style, and that's okay. Use it for Jesus. Then he identifies a second way as Paul's intellectual style. Paul would go into a new town as a missionary. He would meet people, and he would reason with them from the Scriptures. God gave the Apostle Paul a great mind, and the Apostle Paul would sit down with people and just reason through the Scriptures. Some of you have been built that way. Then you have the blind man's uh, testimonial approach. Remember, Jesus healed a blind man. And the blind man didn't really know who it was that had healed him. And the Pharisees, you know, they got all upset because Jesus had healed this guy on the Sabbath day. So they're more worried about the day that Jesus did it on than the fact that someone who has been blind for his whole life can now see. See how easily we can lose our focus? But as you read this this story, when the Pharisees come to him demanding to know, because they were saying, it was a sinner that gave you your sight. He sinned by doing this on the Sabbath. And I love his response. It's a testimonial style. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is, I was blind and now I can see. And it's not said, but it's implied. So, what have you guys been doing for me? And later, Jesus comes to him and he believes, but his testimony to the crowd. I love that. And see, for some of you, the best thing you can do is just share your testimony. Look, I don't know the answer to all the arguments. I don't know the answer to all your questions, but let me tell you what I do know. I was lost and now I'm found. I was chained in my addictions and now they're gone. All I know is Jesus changed my life. And see friends, I'm going to tell you, the one thing that nobody can argue with is your testimony. Testimony. Because it's what's happened to you. Then we have the Samaritan woman's invitational approach. She goes back to everybody in the village and says, hey, guys, you got to come and see. Come and see. Come on. You need to come see this guy who's told me about everything I ever did. He knew all about me, and nobody told him. Just come meet. Invite them to come. Then we find in the the Scriptures, Dorcas's service approach. She served others. She cared for others. And when someone would say, well, why do you do these things? Dorcas could say, let me tell you about Jesus. As she showed love to those that others would not love, she got their attention to give her a platform to tell about Jesus. And then we have Matthew's interpersonal approach. You know, Matthew, he wasn't very highly regarded as a tax collector. How many of you love tax collectors? We must not have any tax collectors here in our congregation. (laughs) But in the day of Jesus, they were looked down upon. Because as tax collectors, how they would make their money is they would collect the taxes and then they would put on top of it whatever they wanted for themselves. And they would collect that money. So when Matthew comes to know Jesus, what's he going to do? brings all of his friends together, and has Jesus there to tell them about Jesus. See, we can have different personalities. We can have different gifts. We can have different ways of sharing Jesus. But we can all share Jesus. Starting next week, we're going to be starting a new seven-week series entitled There Was Jesus. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to be going through various passages of Scriptures where we see salvation experiences, where people are coming to know Jesus. And so we want to encourage you as a church body, this would be an excellent time to invite someone to come to church with you, because we're going to talk about how others have come to know Jesus as Lord and as Savior. So we can all participate in evangelism in pointing others to Jesus. All of you, if I were to ask you, give me the name of a great evangelist, the first person that probably comes to mind for you is Billy Graham. But before Billy Graham, there were other great mass evangelists as well. One of them is Dwight L. Moody. Now, Moody, you may know that name from the Moody Bible Institute which he founded in 1886. Dwight L. Moody, like Billy Graham, would have masses of people coming to hear him speak. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how Dwight L. Moody came to know the Lord? Many do not know that story. I was surprised this week, it shows how old I'm getting that uh, most of my staff didn't have a clue on how Dwight L. Moody came to know the Lord. Uh, I, I get it. I'm old. I connect to an older generation. They're young. But this is a wonderful story of how Dwight L. Moody came to know Jesus Christ. A man by the name of Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in a church that Dwight L. Moody started attending. And Edward Kimball had a burden on his heart for Dwight Moody. And he had prayed and he felt that the Lord one day was impressing him, you need to go meet with this young man. Well, Dwight L. Moody worked at a shoe store, and Edward Kimball went to the shoe store. Now, he shares that as he was going, he was having second thoughts. What if I go there and embarrass him before the other workers? Should I go when he's at work? But the Spirit of God was still saying, you need to go. You need to go. So he shared as he went. He's thinking this over, and he's battling whether to go or not, and he actually walked right past the shoe store. And then he stopped and said, okay, I just need to get out of here as fast as I I can. This was a dumb idea on my part. But instead, as he turned to go back, he noticed Dwight L. Moody by himself packing shoes into a box. And so Edward Kimball went to him, laid his hand upon his shoulder, with tears in his eyes, said to Dwight L. Moody, you need to come to know Jesus. Now neither Moody nor Edward Kimball remember the exact words that were shared. But at that moment, Dwight L. Moody prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. You know, the reality is None of us would know about Edward Kimball. We would think just a Sunday school teacher. But that Sunday school teacher brought to Christ someone who would become one of America's greatest evangelists. And friends, we never know how God will use the people that we introduce to Jesus to affect others. All of us are called to share Jesus with others. Let's be faithful to that call. Let's pray together. Just before we close here this morning, I'm wondering, first of all, is there anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, That the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart. And this morning, you're going to put your faith and trust in him. If that's the case, would you just slip up your hand for a moment so that I can pray with you? Today, for the first time, you're going to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, this morning, I would pray for all of us that we might be faithful and pointing people to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who came to seek and to save those who are lost. Give us a heart of love for those who are close to us who do not know Jesus. Help us to take the boldness to share Jesus with them so that more and more will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.